How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from oilpressure.com, it is George Phillips. George, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks, Steve. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, and uh, certainly a strange weekend last week, wasn't it, with the Indy, Indianapolis 500 not only being held in August, but also uh, being held without fans. And uh, we were talking a little bit in the first segment on just how it felt kind of odd, but not only that, but you know they had an extended pre-race show, and maybe they could have maybe tightened up t- tighten up the show a bit and then maybe with that maybe they could have done more at the end of the race uh and done things differently but then again you know i i agree i when when that accident happened i said the race was over uh to we had a little viewing party here at my house and uh turned out i was right i was just kind of interested to get your uh, feelings on on not only the the finish and and, and the red flag or should there have been a red flag but also on just a, the the uniqueness i guess of the event well, <clears throat> excuse me, to me, the most unique thing was that I was sitting on my couch at home watching it instead of actually being there because, like, like many people, I had a pretty good streak going, some, certainly nothing like everyone else. But um, once the race got going, it didn't seem that unusual to not see fans in the stands. Um, I think the banners there helped. Um, so... so I wasn't as taken aback by that as I was just the fact that I was not there. But, you know, I, we learned about it on August 4th, and once I got about a day to get over it, I got over it, and, you know, I just knew what it was going to be like. So getting to the end of the race, I know you and I are both traditionalists, and I think you probably know where I stand, and that's with you. I don't think there was uh, – any any reason for a red flag, um, uh, and certainly not in this instance. Um, it's been very well documented. They said they were probably looking at an hour and a half to as much as two hours to repair the attenuator. And you know, the regardless of how tight the NBC window was, they weren't going to go another hour and a half to two hours 
Um, and everybody keeps talking about it was going to be a four-race shootout. No, it wasn't, because um, even if they got the cars on pit road immediately, the uh, you know the, these engines take a little bit to warm up. The tires had to warm back up. So you're probably looking at two to three laps uh, under yellow getting the race going again, and then you're looking at a one-lap shootout. And that's, um, I guess, in NASCAR, they love that, uh, to see cars banging around at the end. In IndyCar, that's a recipe for disaster. And I just, I, I, I saw no, it never even entered my mind that it would be a red flag until Paul Tracy said something about it. Um, and uh, I was thinking, no, it won't. And sure enough, it wasn't. Yeah, I just don't think there was enough time. And as you said, you know, maybe a couple laps earlier, you know, they, they did the red flag when Townsend Bell hit the, hit the wall a few years ago, but I think they had eight laps to go. And it's interesting to, there, I don't think the top four changed when they, when they ran them again. No, so. and, and, and even, in, even when that happened, I was not a fan uh, because the only reason they did that was, well, I take that back. There, there was a legitimate reason to red flag it. Uh, and that's because I think the safer barrier was damaged. Right. Um, that, that is, that is a legitimate reason. Um, in my mind, there's only three reasons why a race, a race should ever be red flagged. And that's due to inclement weather conditions, whether it's rain, fog, uh, whatnot. Um, or an injury or God forbid, a more, uh, uh, mortality or to repair safety equipment like the safer barrier and or the, the catch fencing. Other than that, um, you know, for decades, the Indianapolis 500 finished under yellow in those situations and nobody complained. Suddenly now when everybody wants a photo finish, uh, people are complaining about it. And I just, I, I think that there, no one is entitled to have a race finish under the green. Yeah, I, I mentioned this, my, in the, but that's my so, opinion. Yeah, no, I, I, I and, and and I agree. I, I think there's, a, I, I, I'd like to see if they can red flag it to finish it under green. I, I think they should try to, but it's not going to work in every circumstance, you know. But it is entertainment, and you know the 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 viewing audience is is changing, and you you have to change a bit. To suit you know to, to suit them plus you know and, and the pressure is on IndyCar with NASCAR because a lot of the the fans that are watching Indy 500 a lot of them watch NASCAR and they're like well how come they don't red flag it so you can explain the reasoning why to but a lot of them may not agree with it and may not care to agree with it regardless so it, it is an interesting situation that happened but uh, happy that that Sato won Takuma Sato winning and I brought this up too I, I was kind of glad it was a repeat winner. Just because it would have been kind of of a bummer to see a, a brand new winner in victory lane, do you agree with that? I, I, I totally, <clears throat> totally agree with that. If say, um, you know, a veteran like Joseph Newgarden, if, if he had finally won his first race, or, or Ed Carpenter had finally won his first race after so many years of trying, and it was in front of nobody, uh, how empty a feeling would that be? Yeah. Yeah, certainly would have. Um, and then also, were you surprised at just the Penske, Team Penske being out, out to lunch, it seemed like? Well, you know, Team Penske is, 
except for um, um, wait, did they did they sweep both races at Iowa? I think one was Pagano and one was New York. Right, is that correct? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, except for Iowa, Team Penske's sort of been out to lunch all season. Um, I mean, they've had their moments, but they are certainly not the Team Penske of old. And I don't know if that's just a cycle. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mentioned this in one of my posts a few months ago, and everybody got all over me about it. But, um, you know, I've always said that Tim Sendrick is Roger Penske's secret weapon. Um, he's a great number two man, but I just wonder, does the absence of Roger Penske there uh, at the pit stand overseeing everything is that just does that did that make the slightest bit of difference just to make them on top of their game and now they're kind of falling back to a good team? Yeah, it's inter- that's an interesting uh, question. I wonder, uh, you know, and if it is, they're in big trouble because he's not going to be doing that anymore, is he? Uh, this weekend no, we got Gateway. Uh, This weekend we got Gateway and uh, qualifying just finished up and it's a willpower uh, qualifying and and they're doing the same qualifying that they did in Iowa, which I love. I love this. Whoever came up with this deserves a raise. Uh, You want to explain that to the listeners, Jeff, George? Yeah. um, Basically, it's still two lap qualifying, but the first lap, since there's two races this weekend, one today and one tomorrow, uh, lap one, if you're qualifying attempt, uh, determines your starting position for, for race one, and then lap two determines it for race two tomorrow. And it's, a, it's very simple, but it's, um, it's, it creates an interesting situation. It's just like Zach Veach had just a slight bobble on his lap one qualifying, and you know, consequently, he's starting dead last uh, in race one. Yes, yeah, it's, it's so, interesting. Um, for those wondering, uh, for the top five for race one, we have uh, Will Power, Pat Ward on the front row, and then uh, not a surprise here with Scott Dixon continuing his strong run. Uh, Marcus Erickson and Takuma Sato uh, with the aforementioned Joseph Newgarden in uh, six for your first three rows for race number one later this afternoon at Gateway. Um, so a bit of a bounce back for, for Penske on the oval. For race two tomorrow, we got Takuma Sato on the pole with Joseph Newgarden on the outside of the front row. Uh, then we have uh, basically row one from the race today. It'll be row two tomorrow, and that's uh, Will Power and Paddle Award. And then uh, Jack Harvey uh, with the fifth spot, and then uh, Scott Dixon, uh, Scott Dixon uh, slipping down to sixth outside of row three for the race tomorrow. Uh, Gateway Raceway, uh, unique, a little bit of a unique track, but it's basically an oval uh, with, of course, uh, different uh, apexes in each corner uh, between the north and the south corners. Uh, any any uh, surprises you think we're going to see this weekend, or is it going to be a Dixon? Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't think it's going to be Scott Dixon. I think he... Um... I don't think he's going to hang it out. I mean, he's enough for professional. He's going to have a good showing, um, but he's not going to do anything stupid because he does have, I'm not going to say he's going to coast, but uh, he's, he's going to race smart this weekend. Uh, if it's there, he'll take it. If not, uh, he won't. Uh, that's my opinion, of course. But uh, i tell you who I would look out for 
is somebody who has, I think, had a very good Indianapolis 500. He had the, probably the best 500 that nobody's talking about, and that's Jack Harvey. And he very quietly today, he qualified seventh for today's race, and tomorrow he'll roll off fifth. And if you recall how bad he was at Texas, because um, other than Indian, I mean, that that was his first time at Texas, but this was also his first time, I think, at, um, I think it's his first time at Gateway. Um, but he has really picked up his oval game, and I think he is very quietly having a good season. Well, and, and he is such an interesting story. You know, a guy who, who did so well in Indy Lights was looking was looking like, uh, you know, he's going to make the next step. And then pretty much for almost two and a half years, you know, didn't race hardly anything, did a little IMSA racing, if I recall. And I, I remember I was at a, a softball charity uh, <laughs> charity game with him uh, a couple of years ago, spent the afternoon with him, and I'm, I'm like, I really felt bad for him because, you know, here's this kid from England living in Indianapolis. He doesn't have a ride. There's no prospect for a ride. He's not independently wealthy. He doesn't have any sponsors that have been sponsoring him, you know, throughout his career that could, you know, maybe dig a little deeper, give him I'm thinking, this guy's screwed. <laughs> you know, I really felt bad for him. And here he is hanging out with me and a couple friends at a charity softball game, you know, and then, uh, you know, they, as, they do the Indy 500 little uh, media uh, uh, thing on Thursday that George and I do along with everybody else where they set up all the drivers. And I mentioned that to him uh, last year. And he started to laugh. He goes, yeah, I remember that. I said, and I go, uh, Jack, you know, to be, to be honest, I really felt bad for you because, you know, I, I that has to be, you know, that, that was your lowest point of your career. And he kind of like, eh, it was kind of, you know, it wasn't looking good. So to see where he is today, I'm so happy. And, and, and it's interesting. Yeah. Like, like you're saying, he, he just seems to get a little bit better every weekend. And as well as that Michael Shank racing team, which I'm, I'm happy to see them finally going full, full game, you know, full, full time in the series because they've been, you know, part time for the last couple of years. So I'm glad that they were able to step up now this year. Uh, even though with not the best circumstances, of course, but yeah, it, it, and that's one of those kids. He's such a good guy, genuinely nice guy, approachable, everything else, and and to see him uh, starting to get some success in the IndyCar series certainly makes you feel good, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and I, I he he's certainly one of those that um, uh, has certainly paid his dues, and I'm glad to see that he is he's rising up in the ranks. Although people for the most part, still are not talking about him that much. No, no, but they will. They will start. And I've, I've been noticing, well, and he's, he's, you know, he lives in the Indianapolis area, so he's got quite the following, you know, in Indianapolis. And, you know, uh, one of the guys that supported him early on was uh, Pat Kennedy, who we lost uh, earlier this year, was, was, uh, was involved with the Speedway. His family's been involved with the Speedway for many, many years. And he was a big supporter. I was kind of glad that he kind of remembered Pat with a decal in the car at the 500 this year. So yeah. uh, we yeah. wish Jack Harvey the best of luck. Uh, who, who do you like this weekend in the in the two races at Gateway, Jack? Well, uh, I um, uh, I picked the two that I picked for this weekend. Um, just in any order was uh, Joseph Newgarden, who's already won there before, and I picked. <laughs> 
My other pick has not had a good weekend so far, and that's Graham Rahal. Um, he uh, he was, I think he, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I think he qualified 19th and 20th. I don't remember which race, but it was it was not good. And it may have even been worse than that because that, that's what they said on the broadcast at the time when he qualified. So, um, uh, Graham has not had a good weekend. So, uh, you got to... With Sato starting on pole, I don't think he's having the the same type of, uh, you know, Paul Tracy mentioned this on the broadcast, the hangover uh, that most Indianapolis 500 winners have. Um, he's, he is, um, of course, he, with the pandemic and all, he hasn't been doing all the, the running around like, like uh, previous winners have, but he's, you know, starting on pole. And one thing that I think is interesting about Sato is that, I think he's in. I think he's sixth in the points, but he's only about ten or eleven points away from about third in points. And if you recall, he he missed the first race. He didn't start at Texas because he crashed in qualifying. So he has one one less race than everybody else. Yet he's just a few points out of third place. That's interesting. Good point. That's why we have you on, George. You bring up good points like this. Thank you so much. Uh, for those we're talking with George Phillips on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, you want to you want to check out his stuff at uh, oilpressure.com. Good stuff. Uh, a lot of insightful stuff there on IndyCar racing on his website. George, we certainly appreciate you taking time out. And uh, are you ready for the Titan season to start? I am, and I'm I'm pretty confident they're they're going to have a season. Uh, they're not going to have fans at our first at our home opener that doesn't please me but uh i think we'll have plenty in october all right i'm looking forward to it i i, I know i'm getting these uh email notices to renew fantasy football leagues and set draft pick their draft uh nights and everything for and I, I'm, I'm not anywhere close to i haven't done any studying it's it's just kind of been on the back burner i haven't gave it much thought i'm thinking maybe i won't do any studying let's see if i do any worse than i usually have been doing the last couple of years so we'll see what happens normally <laughs> normally at this point of the year in late august i'm in the process of shifting from race mode over to football mode exactly. and right now mentally i'm still 100 percent race mode yeah yeah it, same here. So interesting, uh, interesting year it certainly has been. And uh, once again, thanks for time out, to taking time out, George. We will chat again soon. I'm glad to do it. Thanks, Steve. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 